0: Solete discipoli, and welcome again to another episode of Latin in Layman's. We're going to be continuing uh, doing more myths, so go ahead, consider this to be an episode where you can just sit back, relax, pop open a beverage or whatever you're doing, or throw on a blanket if it's a little chilly in your neck of the woods, whatever, get comfy, because we're going to have a little bit of a story time. Um, And in this case, we're going to be diving into the myth of echo and Narcissus, and then we're going to be talking about the moral implications both classically in antiquity and how it also applies in the modern world. So if you're interested, you want to learn a little bit more and or just, you know, have a good time, maybe learn a new myth, maybe learn something about this myth that you didn't know before. Um, And uh, let's talk about narcissism afterwards, because we know clearly that's where we get Narcissus from, which... Nowadays is a very beautiful flower. That uh, yeah. So without further ado, I uh, want to remind y'all to pop on over to wherever you're listening to this podcast. Here, well, you don't really have to pop on over to anywhere. You can kind of just do a little bit of maybe some scrolls, maybe a couple tabby taps, and find yourself uh, in the realm of where you can leave a rating and. That realm is a beautiful realm for me because that realm is going to help the algorithm in my favor um, so that I can get more traction uh, with my podcast. So if you're curious, if you want to learn something new, or if you want to help your boy out and you just like uh, listening to stories and podcasts and all that good stuff, then uh, let's do it. Let's have a good time. Once upon a time, a long, long time ago, Way off, in a faraway land, there once lived a man, a prophet, who could see into the future the way you and I remember our pasts. His name was Tiresias. One day, a woman came to him. She had given birth to a child she had named Narcissus, and Narcissus was so beautiful he broke hearts as he wriggled in his cot. She was afraid one of the immortals would envy his beauty and destroy him. Tiresias shook his head. The gods pose no threat. He will have a long life unless he learns to know himself. Shaking her head, the woman walked away. Years went by, and with every passing day, Narcissus became more and more beautiful. Wherever he went, women fell in love with him, but they never approached him because of his flaw. He wore about himself a glassy pride that kept his suitors at bay. Up on Mount Olympus was about his usual pursuits, that being Zeus. Chasing, kissing nymphs, goddesses, traveling to the earth in disguises, pursuing women, being the petty poopy butthole that he always is. He barely bothered to hide his misbehavior from his wife. He had enlisted the help of the nymph called Echo. If ever Zeus's wife, Hera, came too close to catching Zeus in the act, Echo was to distract her with an endless stream of pointless prattle until Zeus had finished. They played this trick once too often. Zeus's wife, Hera, saw through it. Nymph, always you want the last word. From now on, you shall have nothing else. Echo opened her mouth to answer, and nothing came out. Nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else. From then on, she could not speak for herself. She was condemned to trail behind others, stealing meaning from their last few words. She went to the earth. By chance, she saw the lovely young man called Narcissus. She fell in love with him at once, like all his other suitors did. For months, she followed him, waiting for the words to come with which she could proclaim her love. At last, the moment came. Narcissus and his friends were hunting in a forest. They became separated from one another. Narcissus called, Is anyone there? Echo joyfully stole the word, Here. Then come to me, come to me. She ran to him. She put her arms around him. He pushed her away. Get off me. What are you? I suppose, like all the others, you love me? Love me, she said. Love me. I would rather die, said Narcissus, than let you lie with me. Lie with me, she said. Lie with me. Leave me alone, he fled. Alone, said Echo, alone, alone. Poor Echo was a slender thing. Her sorrow made her slighter still. She became spindly, bony, pale, gaunt, feeble, frail. One morning when she tried to stand up, her sharp bones ruptured through her thin skin. Her body collapsed in on itself. Only her voice survived, hiding in the caves hiding among high hills. Weary of that stupid nymph, Narcissus went to the pool to drink water. It was a perfect pool, as smooth as any mirror. He leant over the side and saw a face of such beauty that he suddenly was filled with another kind of craving. He leaned forward to kiss it had broken the wrinkles. He gave a cry of anguish. He lay beside the pool like a fallen statue. He was transfixed by it. Time and time again, he tried to capture it. He mistook this image for another person who would compete him. And so the prophecy of Tiresias was fulfilled. Narcissus had learned to know himself, and his awe-tortured him to really no end. No thought of food or drink would take him from the spot. His eyes can never leave. They can never have their fill. At last, he said, you please come to me, lie with me, love me. When I see you, I I laugh. When I smile, you smile. When I cry, you shed tears. You give me every indication that you love me and yet we do not embrace. I think I understand. I am in love with myself. Always we will be together and yet always we will be apart. I have loved you in vain. Echo took the words. I have loved you in vain. I have loved you in vain. Narcissus closed his eyes and laid his head upon the ground. His soul drifted out of his open mouth beneath the crust of the earth down a steep flight of stairs down into the under the world into the land of many guests into the realm of the of the dead as his soul drifted across the river of forgetfulness he left behind all memory even so some urge too powerful to resist drew it to the edge of the river where he again leant over the side and stared at the greasy smear of a ref- reflection that quivered on the surface of the water up on the earth rumors reached a village lovely narcissus was dead so the people searched the forest to burn the corpse with proper honors but they never found a body. Instead, they came upon a delicate flower with white and yellow petals leaning over the edge of a pool as if gazing at its own reflection. And there we go. That is the myth of Echo and Narcissus um, from, you know, a, a, a different perspective, right? Like I always say, myths can be changed dependent on the author, the audience that it's being performed for, Um, and all that good stuff. I have talked about the myth of Narcissus before, but I didn't really go in depth as to, you know, him breaking the heart of Echo, and then Echo, you know, eventually dying, but her voice being preserved and all that stuff. But yeah, you know, that's the story. Poor little Echo. She was, that word transfixed, transfixed by his beauty, and yet, you know, at the end of the day, what ends up happening is narcissus is a little too fanciful of himself and uh that leads to some problematic things because at the end of the day there are some moral implications embedded you know classically the story can be seen as a warning about dangers of love and obsession and self-absorption also in the real world world as well but love can be a powerful emotion and it can lead us to do a lot of foolish things you know as they very much say you know uh, love, love makes you do dumb stuff. And it's very true. Um, and obsession can lead us to neglect our relationships and our responsibilities and or our relationships with ourselves, right? Um, but in this case, if you are obsessing about oneself, then you can neglect the relationships around you, um, the people around you, because you're too absorbed in one's own image and self and self-absorption can lead us to really become isolated and unhappy. Um, I think about it all the time with social media and, you know, reading about these people that, you know, uh, they're all prim and proper and they're airbrushed to the nth degree and they always look perfect and they're always having to put up a front. But how, how exhausting is that? You know, it's just like to, it's like, if you really think about it, you know, all these people, I mean, their businesses are their their image. Like they're literally getting because like you can make money off of the social media stuff. Like these people with all these stupid dances and everything like that. It's just it's so much this inundation of, you know, not only um putting a lot of weight and emphasis on um image, but also the over sexualizing of our youth now like it's so insane like you know it, it, it like i mean you've seen it like it it that's why i really hate tiktok and the reason why i only do tiktok is because of my you know the educational platform that it allows me to do you know i mean i only have about like 700 followers on there i don't have a lot of people when you know i i look around and all these people are like it you know tens of thousands of followers and everything like that but You know, they are throwing garbage content into the face of all of our young little kids. All these kids are being thrown these images of, you know, curves and uh, airbrushed faces and how we should look and that our, you know, that our worth is dependent solely on how we look because that's what social media is. There's not, that's why I do my social media stuff, but I don't, you know, I don't do it. I just do it for the laws. Like I say, you know, I do it for the education. I do it for the aspect of gaining attraction on an audience. That's going to appreciate something that is not so vapid and not so transient because Oh my God, it just, it sucks because it's also like we're forcing, um, young men and young women to objectify themselves to the outward world. You know, that's the thing. It's like, when I look at all these people that are, you know, they're, they're brand ambassadors and they're, they're like these fitness models and blah, blah, blah. And this and that it's like, you know, like I always say, looks fade, but dumb is forever. If your business is based off of all of how you look, that's not going to be, a business that you want to keep on going into. That's not going to be a lifelong business unless you start to go further into body dysmorphia and you have to do, you know, plastic surgery. And then you start doing peptides and you start doing, you know, more hormones and all these things. Like I'm, I'm reading about all of these young men that are going on TRT testosterone replacement therapy in their young, their early twenties, because, uh, Uh, well, there are a lot of extenuating factors, but also they want to look better. Like I, I follow a lot of guys because I get a lot of like fitness content when I scroll through TikTok. Um, you know, because I've, I've posted a few, um, you know, lifting videos here and there of me deadlifting and squatting and this kind of stuff, you know, you know, and, uh, kind of lost my train of thought there for a second, but what was I saying? What was I saying? Anyways, it came back to me, but what I was talking about is like these guys, a lot of the time, I mean, they're my age and or younger and, uh, you know, they always, they'll, they'll have the, it's very interesting because they have like this arc where they're like, they're like, oh yeah, look at my muscles, blah, 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 this and that. And then they kind of go ghost for a second. And then they come back and they're like, I've been dealing with some mental stuff lately. You guys like, you know, like, and, th- and they try to be honest, but it's like, everybody's trying to like do this fake honesty bs kind of stuff lately and it kind of peeves me because it's like they're trying to show this fake form of empathy and then they're like well some of them are genuine but i can tell if some of them are not because you can just kind of read through the bs it's very clear it's very obvious you know these people are not really good about hiding it and those that are good about hiding it end up getting caught aka liver king for instance the dude was ta- saying that he wasn't doing steroids it is so blatantly, clearly obvious that the guy is on steroids, that if anybody understood anatomy, biomechanics and, you know, genetic potential, that if you looked at that guy, the only way that he would be natural and have that amount of musculature on his body is if he had some sort of myostatin, um, uh, inhibition, uh, where, uh, and, uh, you should look this up there's one cyclist, a track cyclist that I've, I used to love to follow because, um, he's kind of a character. Like when you look at his body, because his quads are so freaking huge and he has a myostatin inhibition. It's like some sort of genetic thing where, you know, technically, uh, as our bodies, um, naturally we can only get to a certain genetic potential and then we kind of plateau. That's what they say a lot in like the the realm of bodybuilding and um you know, strength training and that kind of stuff. Oh, I just hit my table. Um being a little animated with my uh, my hands right now. And you calm down a little bit. But uh they always talk about how but yeah the the concept of genetic potential is that they always kind of push that you train you train hard and you train naturally into and you you acquire that muscle growth until you kind of plateau right you get to this point where your body kind of hits a threshold where it's like you know this is this is the thre- the frame of my body this is all that i can actually put on my body sorry dude this is just who you are as a person you can't really put any more you know muscle on you can't uh, you know, create hyperplasia in this case, but in what happens is, uh, and, uh, you know, etymologically I'll dive into hyperplasia, uh, essentially is high. Um, and plasia refers to the development of it's, it's basically like excessive development of, so you can actually create new muscle tissue. A lot of the time people think that you really just grow muscle tissue or you grow fat tissue or you shrink, shrink muscle tissue, you shrink f- uh, um, fat cells, um, but you can actually add cells and that's when you get hyperplasia. Um, and that's a lot of the time like after you cross over from the natural realm into the, the enhanced realm, that's what happens, right? And then you, you, you go from that genetic potential and then you're given a little bit of uh, a bridge to continue on and to cross over that plateau. So I'm, I know I'm getting into a lot of bodybuilding stuff, but I think that bodybuilding is a really good indicator of vanity and narcissism in general. I'm not saying that everybody is vain in bodybuilding, but like the nature of the game, like, I mean, if you're, if you're looking at what a competition is, I mean, it's purely a subjective thing. There are a panel of judges that get to look at all these people that are just shredded and diced to the bone, uh, wearing little skippies up on stage with, a. Uh, Um, you know, uh, you know, fake tans, and they're just posing. And then they get, you know, judged on their, you know, their aesthetics, how they look, are they proportional? Are they symmetrical? I would say that that is a fairly vanity, vain thing to be embedded in. And I'm not judging anybody, per se, by saying vain, we don't have to stigmatize the word vain, because sometimes vanity is important. Um, you know, that's why we have vanity dressers that have mirrors so that we can, you know, we can take care of ourselves and we can sit at the vanity dresser and we can put on our makeup or whatever and blah, blah, and this and that and whatnot. Um, so don't think that I'm trying to knock anything like this because I actually, I've, <clears throat> I've had many a friend that is a bodybuilder or a power lifter and I've seen the hard work that they put in. Like it is hard, hard, hard work. And I've also seen the detriments mentally after a bodybuilding show from people um, like I, I remember like, because it's kind of like that off and on again mentality I Had a friend went did a bodybuilding show, um, they were, they, they did well, but they didn't do as well as they had done, but they were really just like really excited for all the food that they had planned for that day, um, after the show. And, you know, they ended up going on, you know, a crazy binge session. And I remember I went to one of the, the restaurants that they wanted to go to and I got lunch with them. And, uh, that was only one stop for them. I was, I had to go back. I was, uh, at that time, I was doing a lot of research with, uh, a professor of mine, Dr. Damon. And, um, yeah, it was a summertime up at USU. And I remember after the, um, that was like one of their places. And, um, it was this really cool, um, yeah, it was Mo Betta's. If anybody knows out in Logan, Utah, Mo Betta's, that Hawaiian place. Oh, great food. Oh my God. Um, delicious. But, um or maybe it, it, yeah, I think it it's like Hawaiian, samoan uh you yeah, it, it it's just kind of like that Pacific islander kind of cuisine and it's just delicious anyways, um yeah, that was like I remember, and then after that the 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 weeks that ensued they ended up gaining like thirty pounds in like two weeks, two or three weeks I mean, I would say that that's pretty intense, like if you can gain thirty pounds in two weeks um you're getting ready for hibernation mode, you know, and, and, and that's the thing is like, you can see that when we put so much significance on our body and our self image, it takes a lot of mental, um, just a mental, mental power. And, uh, and it's hard to maintain that because, you know, we can have willpower, but willpower and motivation are not constant, right? Everybody's like, Oh yeah, I'm motivated hundred percent, 24, 365. three, six, five. I'm like, no, no you're not motivation is a silly thing to say that you're always motivated because you won't always be motivated and it's not about being motivated motivated motivation is what's going to get you started it's what's going to get you mobile but at the end of the day what's going to keep you going it's going to be the consistency it's going to be the showing up for yourself and for others and not about um anything but that you know that's what When I think about, you know, um, New Year's resolutioners and, you know, the reason why everybody ends up, you know, it becomes that whole meme of everybody trailing off by, you know, week three in January, the gyms are back to normal because everybody's New Year's resolutions kind of just dies off. And why is that? Because so many people go into the new year hating their bodies and hating themselves and saying, I hate my body. I hate all the weight that I've gained over the Christmas time. I'm going to change. I'm going to use January 1st as my... And that's not really good. Like, I don't know why fitness pushes us to hate our bodies in order to change. I don't know why we can't be in a more healthier state and instead go into the new year saying you know what? I love my body. I haven't been treating my body that well, but now I want to treat it better. How am I going to treat it better? I know a little bit, but I don't know a lot. So maybe I need to reach out. Maybe I need to do some research. Maybe I need to hit up a personal trainer. I'm not sure. But at the end of the day, that's kind of that's that's where I would rather be. I wouldn't. I, I I don't think that anybody, unless you're David Goggins, and honestly, I think David Goggins is a. Um, it, it's stupid. I hate his his message. I really do. I think it's complete BS, and it's not sustainable. And the only reason that he is who he is is it because he hates himself. And he punishes himself day in and day out and then he tells everybody about it and for some reason people think that that is honorable and commendable and in a way yes it is that's why we seek out discomfort that's why a lot of people put themselves into these iron man competitions or these marathons or triathlons you know because we live in a very comfortable society nowadays but you know it's 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 BS. It's David Goggins has it wrong in my opinion. I don't think it's right. I think that he thinks that it's right, but you know what? He's going to look back and he's going to leave an, a legacy of being an angry man. He's just an angry dude. And you know what, David Goggins, you'll never hear this because you'll never want to listen to a lowly little person like me talking about etymology and linguistics and mythology and all that stuff but you're you're not doing a service to anybody bud you're not doing any anybody any good 75 hard that's all bs because guess what it's just the off and on again mentality nobody's going to be doing 75 hard for their entire freaking life who's going to be doing that you know what i don't even trust that david goggins is doing it i you know what there's a day guaranteed where that that dude is probably posting up on the couch and if he's not then he's not living his life then he's just like oh yeah you know what you're a little bitch if you're not running 20 miles a day barefoot and you're not bleeding while you're doing it and you're not bear crawling while you're doing it as well and hiking up you know both ways up you know it's just ridiculous. Anyways, I don't know why I'm going on this rant of motivation, but I think that the narcissism has, is really prevalent in social media. And that's why I'm seeing so much more of like this, this bodybuilding culture becoming a thing. But it's really a toxic thing. It's not, it's not body positivity. It's not looking at oneself and saying, you know what, I accept myself for where I'm at and I can always be better and how I can be better. I'm not sure exactly, but I'm going to move forward and maybe that better is going to look not so good at first and then it's going to look better later on. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, do you agree with me? Do you not agree with me? It's okay. I like talking about these kinds of things after talking about the myth itself because it helps us just kind of like debrief and defragment through not only what the myth is telling us, but what's going on in our current day and age and in our world. I mean, we are seeing such divisiveness, um, such vanity, such isolation, such narcissism, And in a way, there can be a healthy level of narcissism. Maybe narcissism can give one the wherewithal to give them the oomph that they can do it, that they believe in themselves. But that could also just be confidence as well. That doesn't have to be narcissism. Confidence, con meaning with, fidence coming from, well, fideo essentially, which means really faith. So when you have confidence, you have faith with, and in this case, oneself. And that's what it's all about, right? It's not about hating oneself. It's not about, you know, motivation. It's not about this. It's about being confident in oneself. And, you know, the moral implications are seen so clearly. And in modernity, like we were talking about, we're just constantly bombarded with these images of beauty and perfection. And then we've got these unrealistic expectations of ourselves and our relationships in our life. And then we all feel inadequate and we tend to self-loathe a lot of the time. And then we place so much weight and emphasis and uh, value on these unrealistic ex- expectations that people feel uh, pushed to, to do it even if they aren't doing it on social media, right? To gain more of attraction because a lot of the time they're going to be gaining, gaining more, more views from things uh, that uh, honor the body and the the unrealistic uh images of the body and perfection and beauty and you know and then there are these other people on social media that'll be like this is me in true lighting all right this is and then they're trying to they're trying to you know be a little human about it but they're also it's it's interesting it's like they're trying to i don't know it's it it can be frustrating though because it's just hurting it's hurting our youth. It's hurting anyone. Like if I go on TikTok, yo, I feel way inadequate a lot of the time. I see all these guys that are just like jacked, they're peeled, they're shredded, but they also have like, uh, like lots of muscle mass on them. It's like, it's like, wow, like these guys like all look like Greek gods and whatnot. So now we can think about it in another light as well, because I think that this could also show in the myth of Echo and Narcissus the importance of love and compassion. Because Narcissus had zero compassion whatsoever. Echo and Narcissus were both capable of love, but they were really unable to express it in a healthy way. Echo didn't really have a choice in the matter, but you know, Narcissus he did, but he also was dissociative from that. And at the end of the day, compassion is, um, it it goes hand in hand with love. We need more compassion in our world. We need to look at each other and and just try to understand one another. There's also this importance of self-awareness because Narcissus was so self-absorbed that he was unable to see the world outside of himself, right? This is one I, you know, I, I, I jokingly say that middle schoolers are the closest to sociopaths that you'll ever really encounter. But it's really true because they are in a way so self-absorbed in their own worlds that they don't really consider anybody else outside of their own world. And a lot of the time I take that that opportunity when, you know, things arise in class and I'm like, you know what? You know, you have your own world, but the person sitting next to you has their own other world, like everybody else has their own world that they're dealing with. And I, I also have to understand and remind myself that I only see my students for, you know, a snapshot of the day, you know, I see them, you know, in my class period at that point in time, you know, and I don't know what's going on in their own individual world you know what's going on on their day what happened this morning the relate the the conflicts that are happening in their lives it's all about understanding that it's not just ourselves right the world doesn't re- revolve around us it revolves around the sun and we're just here little sticks on this big old rock here we're all just trying to navigate it the best way that we can and I think the best way that we can do it is by seeing everybody else as well. And then in the this this case, because of me talking about you know all this you know bodybuilding stuff and all that, there's really an importance of moderation that I think is embedded within this story, right? Because they become so both Echo and Narcissus become so consumed uh, by their emotions. Uh, that they just, yeah, they become overwhelmed by them and uh, they become the detriment of them. So in a way, I feel like we need to strive uh, in order to be more moderate in our emotions and to avoid letting them control us. But in a day and age where everybody is so reactionary to everybody's comments, that's seldom seen. It really is. You know, the discussions that we have are no longer because they just become reactions. And when you're reacting, re means back, act comes from ago which means to do um, or to drive or to lead. But in this case, when you react, you, you act back, essentially you do back. And in this case, you're doing that. And it's, it's, it's not being proactive. It's not being, yeah, It's, um, it's not really what a conversation is, right? A conversation, if you etymologically, etymologically derive it, uh, con meaning with again, and where so coming from where some, which means to turn, right? So a conversation, and then that Asian, the action of where some turning con with, because remember we etymologize from the suffix back to the prefix. So therefore a conversation is just the action of turning with and allowing that person to also have a little bit of a say so and that's the problem here is that we're not allowing that it's just becoming a diatribe it's just dia meaning not die meaning to but dia meaning through right and then tribe I'm actually you know maybe tribal in nature right when you are tribal you are you know you're kind of fixed in one uh, like trope essentially um, and why don't we go ahead and look up the etymology of diatribe real quick. Etymology of diatribe. So I know what that tribe is. All right. So we have dia meaning through and tribe coming from tribion uh, in the Greek, which means rub. So to rub through a diatribe. Uh, and a diatribe is it's a long discourse. Basically, you're rubbing through it all, essentially. It's like polishing it to the nth degree, I guess. I don't know. But that's what diatribe is. And that's what we're doing. We just freaking speak at one another. We don't have that conversation anymore. We we just react. We just act back to whatever somebody else is saying rather than inputting it and having that conversation and turning with what that other person has, has to say and then saying something else in regards to your own opinion. Stupid. It's ridiculous. But at the end of the day, this is just me. These are my thoughts. This is me, just being me, being a ramble, bamble, skip it, bopping kind of person. And you don't have to take any weight in it whatsoever. In fact, you don't have to agree with any of it. You don't. Have, you can be like Liam. You're a stupid poopy butthole. I don't want to listen to you anymore. And it makes no you make no sense whatsoever. And that's totally fine. And uh, that's the beauty in the day and age of this world is that if you don't agree with something uh, and you're listening to it, you can just stop. Uh, that's what, you know, that's what our, uh, the beautiful thing about our market is. If we don't like something about the market, you just stop, stop feeding into it. And then, uh, you know, the market changes and it changes dependent on what people are consuming at that time. So if you don't want to support something, don't consume it. But if you want to instead consume it just to uh, cause a fight so that you can just like, you know, act back at whatever else somebody else is having to say, you're still feeding into their audience and you're still consuming their content. So at the end of the day, you do you, but this is me and these are just my thoughts. And whether you agree with them or not, it's just an opinion. So with that being said, let's take one more moment to to gain a little perspective, a little proprioception, a little body awareness here. And uh, think about your eyes. think about how important they are and how we never take such we don't take the moment to to think and reflect on the the beauty and the how important our eyes are like if i didn't have my eyes like i i speechless like i i i don't know what i would do like i it, so i'm just going to say that just think about it Thank your eyes. Maybe, maybe rub them. T- rub your palms together. Rub them together. Get some nice little heat on there. Just continue to rub. And then, if you have your glasses, maybe take your glasses off. And then, once you get your palms nice and you know, a nice little heat, just kind of gently put your palms over your eyes. Close your eyes. Remember to do that first, so that you don't just press your palms straight to your eyeballs. Just hold them there for a second and feel the warmth. And maybe you see a little like speckles kind of floating around. Even though your eyes are closed, you can kind of still see things, right? You can see like little like shapes. Maybe they're little particles. And then taking your palms back away and opening up your eyes and seeing the world. Maybe in a new light maybe a new appreciation. And until next time, tempus est discadere.